Good evening. This is the weekly wrap for Friday, December 15th. Well, the corn market ended up down just two and a half cents for the week, closing at 4.83. Soybeans up 11 cents at 13.15. Kansas City wheat closed down 18 cents at 6.42, and the Chicago contract closed down two cents at 6.29. March cotton closed down a penny and a half at 79.93, and crude oil closed down a half a dollar a barrel at 71.93. Managed money had a small liquidation of their position in the soybeans, uh, uh, selling 5,000 contracts, pulling their long now to just 31,000. Corn, they were small buyers of corn, bought 9,000 contracts, putting their position now still short 151,000 contracts. For the wheat market, they bought 33,000 contracts back, putting them still short 127,000. And in the cotton market, they were small buyers of 7,000 contracts, now putting them long 9,000. Export sales for the week for soybeans were pretty good. They had eight straight days, though, of flash sales to China. So China has been very, very active in buying U.S. soybeans. I I don't think it's any surprise that with the weather continuing to stay dry in Brazil, that they're backstopping uh, some of those uh, concerns with U.S. purchases. For corn... Export sales were very good. Uh, We're a little bit behind uh, last year, but we're starting to catch up pretty aggressively. And then in the wheat market, we had one of the largest single week sales in 16 years. And we are now running well above USDA estimates on wheat exports. That is um, thankful to the low prices that we've seen over the last several months. We've seen extraordinary global buying, but in particular, China's been very aggressive buyers of U.S. wheat. And so there's no doubt that the combination of the uh, large uh, Chinese purchases and the technical action that the lows are in for wheat. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. For cotton, export sales were quite poor. We're still running behind last year's numbers, uh, but it's not a surprise. USDA has us some 600,000 bales below last year's export sales, and that's about the pace we're running, but the nerves are starting to build a little bit uh, in the cotton market due to poor export sales. Soybean export sales, we talked a little bit about that here. We're now running 14% below last year's numbers. We were running 30% just a few months ago. So with this really active soybean program by China, we're catching up on last year's sales. It's interesting to note that right now the USDA has us 237 million bushels behind last year. That's their estimate. And that would be about 12% lower than last year. And right now we're running at 14. So we're basically have caught up. We're at levels we need to be to hit the USDA numbers. What we cannot afford, or what would be interesting to watch, is if China continues to buy more aggressively and we end up with a far higher export sales number to China than what was forecast by the USDA. So certainly that would go a long way in tightening the U.S. balance sheet. So the narrative has flipped in soybeans from a, oh my gosh, we're going to make a normal crop, and then South America is going to make a record crop that's been bad for demand, to now... Uh, 
uh, South America. Losses are starting to concern China, and they're in buying more beans, not less beans. And so we'll have to keep an eye on that uh, buying program by China. It, could it accelerate over the next six to eight weeks if the uh, weather losses continue in Brazil? You bet. And we'll have to keep an eye on that development. For corn, ethanol demand was really quite strong. The, the ruling was not made as to whether we can use ethanol for aviation fuel. Uh, that decision was supposed to be made this week. It's been delayed again. But if it does get approved, you could see an extraordinary demand base built for ethanol if we're allowed to use it to make aviation fuel. That would go a long way in keeping the ethanol grind well supported. We did get a soybean crush. It was 189 million bushels, uh, the second highest crush ever recorded. So all of the early, uh, early in the year projections for record crush continue to be verified uh, with, with the data that we're seeing right now. Exports on corn remain relatively stable, and, and sort, of, sort of the next shoe to drop on the Brazilian drought might be losses in the safrina corn crop that would uh, you know, demand more U.S. corn or allow for the world to come in and buy more U.S. corn since we are the cheapest corn in the world right now. Switching over to the macro picture, we saw some heavy activity in the Red Sea and in the Suez Canal. The Houthi regime, which is financed by Iran, has now fired on a number of ships. They overtook some Israeli ships. We talked about those over the last couple of weeks, but they've now fired five missiles um, in the last six, uh, five days. They fired on, on, excuse me, six different ships, forcing the largest um, export company, uh, Maersk, and uh, another one, Happing Lloyd. These are two large export container uh, companies. They are now shutting down operations in the Red Sea and in the Suez Canal out of concerns for the safety of their personnel and the safety of their uh, transports. And so, you know, we're now, uh, the, while the war has not engaged directly in Iran or in other countries uh, outside of Israel, uh, the concerns and the attacks on global shipping lanes uh, is starting to reinforce the idea that there is some geopolitical risk that is still very much alive and well in these markets. The Russian-Ukraine war continues to drag on. There were heavy, heavy attacks now again on infrastructure on Ukrainian ports. And uh, now there is concern that the wheat crop is going to uh, fall down to 12-year low levels on the production side. We've talked about how production and export cap, uh, capabilities out of Ukraine continue to collapse. We're starting to find um, more and more issues uh, related to support, financial support with Ukraine. So we'll keep an eye on that development, although they did just get approved for another round of financing here in the United States. China uh, have been heavy buyers of U.S. grain. Uh, Sino Grain, which is the government agency, they buy grain for storage purposes only. Uh, they have been heavy buyers of soybeans and wheat from the United States to replenish state reserves. That is different than purchases by the private sector that are used for crush. So far, they have been noticeably quiet in the market, but the government reserve buying has been quite active. Crude oil uh, has been seeing, with these lower prices, demand booming. 
supplies at the moment are considered adequate, but I think with the heavy, heavy financial selling of the crude oil market here over the last several weeks, that might continue into year end as managed money is trying their best to defend their positions. But at this point, according to oil analysts that I talk with, Crude oil is some 10 to $15 a barrel undervalued from a fundamental perspective. Uh, and so we could see a rally relatively shortly uh, back to that $80, $85 a barrel. There isn't the perception by the market uh, enough of a geopolitical risk to get back to $100 a barrel anytime soon. That uh, number seems to be pushed out into later into the first quarter of next year. Where the bigger concern or the biggest news that came out this week was from the Federal Reserve. Uh, they did not raise rates uh, in their market meeting in on Wednesday. But what was shocking was Chairman Powell has flipped on his rhetoric from a higher uh, for longer rates scenario trying to crush inflation. He flipped the script and said that uh, rate hikes were probably were done and that they were now entertaining the idea of lowering rates sometime next year. That was a very shocking turn of events that led to a quick fall in the U.S. dollar. We had a large technical breakdown in the U.S. dollar. Interest rates also fell, so we've taken now the 10-year rate from 5% down to 4%, and the market has gone on to price in, in their view, six cuts in rates next year, even though the Federal Reserve has only signaled three. The question is, when will the Fed cut rates? The market has priced in one in March. The Federal Reserve has indicated that they won't be cutting rates anytime until June. So we'll see how uh, that plays out here over the next several months. In adding to confusion in the market, uh, another Fed governor, so remember Fed Chairman Powell was the one that spoke on Wednesday. He's the chairman. But a Fed governor, Williams, came in today and said that they had no interest in cutting rates anytime soon, that they were still diligent on fighting inflation. So many in the market considers uh, this banter back and forth between the Fed chairman and other governors as nothing more than a clown show. Nobody can really get an accurate read on it. But I think you stick with the chairman and his call that at some point, they're uh, much sooner than what the market expected, we could see a cut in rates. Uh, Goolsby, who is another Fed governor, uh, reiterated late, late today that there was a, a strong case to be made that if the PCE, that price inflation uh, uh, indicator, fell over the next couple months, that they would be likely to cut rates as soon as March. So we'll keep an eye on the information. Uh, the market was left scratching their head trying to figure out why such a sharp uh, U-turn in Fed policy uh, two of the best theories working are right now that, number one, it's an election year coming up in 2024, and that you don't want to do anything to jeopardize the economy or put the consumer uh, in a stressful situation. And one of the quickest ways to do that is to lower rates and get the economy uh, stimulated with a, a move uh, from a 5% down to 4%. That might get home mortgages down from a 7 7.5% rate down to 6%. Might stimulate some activity in the housing market and in the, the car market. The other uh, big uh, thesis that was presented that I am a more bigger backer of is the fact that the United States federal government um, balance sheet has exploded. Uh, we are now setting record uh, every week for debt that we cannot uh, at this point pay back with the rates that we're on. 
Uh, and now that we're involved in another war and financially uh, supporting that war, so remember we have two wars that we're supporting. The federal government is also trying to keep this uh, the, the lower income people um, engaged in this market. And so the fear is that with the government debt exploding to record levels, the interest on that debt uh, would be record high and that that would become front and center a hot political potato uh, to deal with sometime this year. And so one of the ways to cool off that rhetoric related to government debt is to lower rates and lower the, <clears throat> excuse me, the interest that the government has to pay on that debt. So once again, either, either take is that it's a strongly political uh, move by the Federal Reserve. So back to the U.S. Um, and, and sort of the grain markets here. Uh, we are tracking uh, Brazilian weather. They continue to have these GFS models that fail in their forecasts for moisture. And so we are running warmer and drier in Mato Grosso in a lot of areas up north. And so far that has led to no movement in the market. The market's logic is that, you know, last year uh, Brazil made 160 million bushels of beans. Argentina made 50, was supposed to make 50, they only made 25. So last year's total production was 185 million bushels, metric tons, excuse me. This year they're projected to make 215. So, you know, until we drop 30 million metric tons of production matching last year's losses, there's no reason to get concerned. And so right now, since we're so early in the process, we're so early in the growing year, many in the market are only looking for about a 10 to maybe 15 million metric ton loss, which would still allow for South American crops to be bigger than last year. So no real nerves in the market yet. But I can tell you that as these models continue to roll forward, as the drought is now expected to continue all the way through December, we can expand those crop losses from that 15 million metric tons to 20 to 25. Now we're getting a lot closer to last year's losses. And we could do that certainly by the end of December. Where the real drama comes in is if for some reason the uh, drought continues through January. And according to one of the main weather uh, gurus that I work with, that is their view. Their view is that this drought is not just getting uh, started and will end anytime soon. Uh, they think this drought is just getting started and will extend for the next three to four months and that they're locked in this pattern. They don't see any catalyst to knock them out of it, and so that this drought will linger well into March. And so that not only will soybean losses accelerate, certainly after the first of the year, um, but then the corn losses will be right behind it. So we'll keep an eye on that story uh, as it develops uh, over time. <clears throat> Remember the macro story is that the funds have been battling this idea that are using this logic that with the Fed rate hikes, they want to be long the dollar short commodities. They're going to do the best to keep that narrative intact through the end of the year and not get out of these last large short positions they're sitting on. But we did see a subtle and but important shift in that narrative with the Fed's stance of now entertaining rate hikes sooner than what the market expected. And so if they do lower rates in March, you're going to start seeing managed money flee this position and maybe flip the position to a more bearish stance on the U.S. dollar and a far more bullish stance on commodities. So that will be important to, to follow. Right now, we don't know exactly when the Fed, but I know that the managed money positions have a large bet placed on that idea. And they'll be probably interested in unwinding that shortly after the first of the year. My view is that managed money will do their best to keep this intact. 
We will be dealing with uh, a strong seasonal trade that is bullish between now all the way through March. And then, you know, depending on how the funds uh, can can hold this position, keep this short on, if they keep it on through this, you know, drought that's South America, and if that builds, you could see relatively explosive price action in the grains after the first of the year. So from a marketing perspective, I've got some small, subtle changes. I think managed money's ability to keep this market pinned down was a little stronger than I thought. Right now, 492 is resistance in corn. If we break through that, we'll quickly get through 5 to 520. Uh, we may or may not be able to do that between now and the end of the year. But certainly after the first of the year, I'm still looking for that 5 to 550 corn market in quarter one. Beans, the resistance area is 1360 on the January contract. Like I say, we're hovering around 1315. Uh, so it would take a 45 cent rally to get through that resistance area and then go press that $14 area again. Not sure that there's enough momentum between now and the end of the year, but certainly after the first of the year, when managed money is forced to reevaluate their positions, evaluate their positions, I'm still looking for a 14 to $15 soybean market in the first quarter of next year. The wheat market, um, technically, no question about it, has bottomed, fundamentally has bottomed. And so, uh, again, the funds are sitting on a large short position, trying their best to elegantly get out of that. I'm looking for a large move, again, after the first of the year for Chicago wheat to test that 7 750 area and Kansas City, the 750 to $8 area in the first quarter of next year. Cotton uh, managed money added to their positions. Uh, I still think we're the next area of resistance is 84 cents. And then, of course, the hardest of hard all resistance is 90 cents. It doesn't look like we have enough time to get through the 90 cent area by the end of the year. But at 84 cents, there might be some light marketing uh, to consider or some risk management. I'm going to put out a video over the weekend on the cotton market just specifically so we can get a very detailed plan of how to manage marketing between now and the end of the year and how to buy us time to get through that first quarter where I think a lot of the views on managed money, on the assessment of the cotton crop and global demand, um, you know, I, I still feel like in the long run, there's a very legitimate shot of getting through 90 cents and ultimately testing a dollar. But I think uh, that may have been pushed out a little bit. So we've got to do some risk management over the next, next several months, and that'll involve some put buying or some selling of some cotton and some call buying. But we'll go through the specifics of that in the uh, video that'll come out this weekend. All right, that's the update. These are my opinions and not those of ADM or ADMIS. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Talk to you soon.